Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. This series, Deeper Client Relationships at Scale, is brought to you by My Prosperity, the all-in-one client portal and app designed to enhance your practice efficiencies, promote your digital brand, and grow your revenue. You can book a demo directly from the website. Go to myprosperity.com.au. Welcome back to the XY Advisor podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and we are exploring all things around having uh, deeper client relationships at scale. Uh, this is a, a series brought to you by My Prosperity, and today I am chatting with Conrad Francis. G'day, Conrad. Hi, Fraser. Glad to be here, mate. Thank you for catching up. Now, you uh, tell us about yourself. You run a business in uh, in WA called Inspired Money. Yeah, mate. Um, both uh, both Shane Mitchell and myself started Inspired Money back in 2011. Um, Strange enough, from another failed financial planning business, it's uh, unfortunately was uh, with another business partner that uh, didn't manage the business well enough. So we had to take ourselves out of that and started Inspired Money in 2011. And, and it was actually a really interesting time. Post-GFC, um, the model was working for us. We had a growing business over there. It's just we were attached to a property development uh, company and uh, obviously through the GFC over here, that uh, that wasn't really the, the best place to be attached to and uh, and it didn't work for us. Uh, so we wound the previous business up. I extricated myself, and uh, and Shane and Shane joined me on that journey uh, with another person, and uh, and we started Inspired Money in 2011. And from that point in time, it's been uh, been onwards and upwards. Yeah, fantastic. And we'll get we'll get into that story in a second. Sure. Now that's uh, so, but but you started that business, and and now you've grown. Now what sort of size is it at the moment? Uh, we've got about in excess of two, probably two and a half thousand. Um, I say clients, but obviously there's there's probably 300 fee paying clients, and the rest are probably more more insurance focused clients. Yep, fantastic. And how many staff? Um, we've got three overseas now, um, two in the Philippines, one in uh, in India, um, and we've got 13 in the office. Well, fantastic. So it's a it's a fairly decent sized business then. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things that you think. Uh, you don't know how big it's going to get until you actually start to grow grow your business and, and build scale into it. Yeah, fantastic. So let's go back. Uh, let's go back and explore your story. Yeah. Um, your it's sort of a, it's an interesting story. I think it sort of started as a bank, uh, you know, a bank teller, and worked its way through to uh, becoming a bank financial planner. Bank teller. I mean, they usually call them bank johnnies, mate. Um, yeah, I was at the National Australia Bank from about uh, nineteen ninety nine. Um, sorry, a lie. Nineteen, but nineteen ninety two. Um, till 2002, did 10 years at National Australia Bank. Midway through, I met, I met a guy who introduced me to the values of financial planning as the banks were rolling it out through those days. And he did some work with my parents. I loved what he did. Uh, I had an affinity with stock broking and stock selection. Um, started to understand the, the wider value of financial planning and, and went down that path within the National Australia Bank. Um, got to a point where um, I could see that just I mean, and I, and I say this really politely. I mean, the bank only had their product. So the reality is that's all you had to sort to, to serve the clients with. Um, and you know, when you're attending industry events and those types of things, you start to understand there's a wider product selection that probably serves clients better. Um, and that got me, got me working or looking at working, um, outside of the bank. And that's, uh, I think when it was it, 
2002 was when I left the National Australia Bank. Yeah, fantastic. And so then, uh, then you started a journey of uh, running your own business to being an entrepreneurial. And at the same time, but I have to I have to mention this. At the same time, you were doing a lot of coaching of uh, of basketball. Yeah, I, I, I'm still a basketball coach. Uh, I coach in what's now called the NBL One West over here with the Joondalup Wolves, and it's a very successful team. Um, I've coached um, a few West Australian sides also at national tournaments and and seen players go on to um, college careers and, and professional basketball careers, which is really, really good. And I think there's a there's a very big synergy in coaching basketball and running a business and coaching clients uh, in, the, in the financial sense. And I, and I think I, I've, I've been really lucky to find the, the real the real nexus of where all that stuff meets and how one serves the other serves the other. So it doesn't really feel like anything's taking time from anything else from, from my perspective and everything's feeding, you know, my wider purpose, which is to see people achieve their best uh, their best outcomes in in every area of life, um, finance, finance, business, or in um, in basketball and sport. Yeah, that's exactly what uh, that's exactly the link I was going to try and make there. So you're you're absolutely right. You know, coaching people or coaching humans, whether it's sport or you know taking control and being accountable for their own decisions and money and all those sorts of things, uh, very much very similar. And we sort of we think about financial coaching as something that. Um, is a little bit different from advice, but essentially it's kind of the the foundation for financial advice. Hundred percent, it is another. We've we've actually gone backwards to go forwards. We've actually got a couple of our advisors now are trained in in money coaching, which is more behavioural, um, and and then that becomes the platform we can build off. So if we identify clients getting stuck on on their money journey, then we'll pull them back and pull them into the coaching journey. Or if we think they're not ready for financial planning advice just yet, we'll put them down the coaching journey first, just to give them a better foundation to receive the advice. Um, you know, I don't believe any advisor um, doesn't doesn't want to connect with their clients. It's just that sometimes it's not done, it's not, it's not best done with advice first. It's it's got to, you've got to look at the foundation and where people can receive the advice. Um, and so that's really been something that has uh, been an eye opener for us. Um, it's still fairly new if you talk about money coaching in, in, um, or finance coaching in this country. I mean, but I've been doing it for years just unknowingly. Um, so we've just put a structure around that. Yeah, fantastic. And when you mentioned that you've, you've trained some of your staff, what sort of, um, training courses have you found out there? Well, we, we, scour the internet um, and and um, and look for what seems to be the most value, uh, most popular, but also one that was synergistic with how I spoke about um, you know money and coaching and behaviours. And there's a there's a course run out of the US um, by a lady. It's it, it's called I can't remember what the actual um, I think it's called the money coaching. I don't. I couldn't quote. Is that the Money Coaching Institute? I think it is. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, and so there, she, yep. she puts people through a six-week uh, certified money coaching course, which obviously yep. allows the the attendee to go through their own journey um, and then apply that to some teaching processes. And we've now pull that information out. We use, uh, we've got a digital platform which one of our teams built uh, by way of an app which sits on a person's phone. And so we've got the ability to do that as a one-to-many or obviously in some cases a one-to-one type scenario. Fantastic. And that, that goes into the different archetypes. Sure. Well, yeah. So it's, I mean, I think yeah, with everything, yeah. it's, it's, it's easier to understand when you create an archetype around something because it's very hard to understand when it's about you. So if you can, when you can um, extract it into an archetype, it's very easy to talk through yeah, exactly, and sort of brings everybody into a uh, into a realizing that uh, they're, they're not the only one in that situation. Yeah. 
Now, let's go back to your journey because it's uh, it's quite um, interesting. You, you, as you mentioned, you you've been involved in businesses and then uh, you found yourself on the wrong end of a business partner. Yep. Uh, tell us about that process. Uh, well, I, I mean, when I left the National Australia Bank, I went into partnership with an accounting practice, and that was fun. Um, but then learnt that um, accountants think very differently to, to financial advisors, and uh, you know, and that uh, that dissolved, and we moved on. And I took some time out of the industry from that. Well, I worked on my own for a bit. I felt like being on my own wasn't fantastic. Took some time in the industry and then came back into the industry with what I believe to be, um, you know, a, a business that was going down the right path. They were largely a mortgage brokerage firm. They wanted financial planning to run the side of it, and um, and then they wanted they were doing their own offshoot personal development, sorry, property development stuff, and it sounded great. Uh, but when the GFC hit, um, that just challenged everybody's reasons for why they're in business and. Um, Obviously, it wasn't about building the financial planning business. We were the cash cow um, that was supporting everything else. And, you know, the, the, the money was just being used to uh, patch up other wounds and it just wasn't fun. So, yeah, we, we uh, showed Mitchell, myself and another staff member, extricated ourselves from that um, and started inspiring me from that point on with a, with a clear focus of financial planning. Uh, we've now obviously added a mortgage broking arm to it. So we've back-ended it as opposed to leading with mortgages. Um, you know, in Australia, whether I like it or not, I'm not a very pro property person, but you know, every Australian's dream is to have a property. So instead of trying to battle the conversation, we, we just jump in bed with them and at least get them out of the debt as fast as possible. Uh, as opposed to trying to say, don't do it. Yeah, very, some very interesting learnings in that process. And then, uh, and then obviously, you know, sort of resetting and then working out exactly what you do want your business to look like. I think that's probably fairly, uh, fairly, um, Fairly valuable, and then obviously starting again. Tell me about starting again from scratch, uh, starting a business from scratch. How did you go about that? Well, Jack, I mean, this time around, obviously, it was very different because yeah, I, be- I now believed I had the ability to grow a business and, and believed in myself. And I think that's that's the other part of this journey, right? It's understanding that okay, well, what you can and can't do, what you do and don't want, um, and what you have to accept responsibility for on that journey. And I think. From that point on, being in business with the accounting practice, being in business with the property developer, uh, you know, I, I, I probably, no, not probably, I did. I just passed on a lot of responsibility I didn't necessarily want to grow into and accept. Um, and so, and therefore, obviously, what happened were, were the, were the, dissol- were the, those two businesses dissolving. Now, going into inspired money, I knew, I did some work on myself, I knew what was going on, I knew what I had to step into and what I had to accept and, and be responsible for. Uh, and my conversation with my other business partner at the time was exactly that. They all wanted to go into, you know, somewhat of a equal shareholding and I said, I can't do that. I've got to accept full responsibility. If you believe me, then um, back me in and I'll, and I'll deliver. And, and I took it upon myself to do that. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you, you're, going, you're going in there saying, um, to build the best business, I need to build the best to build the best you yeah. first and starting with you and doing some work on yourself. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, um, you know, taking responsibility a few times. I think uh, I, I've seen some other clips with you talking about uh, the word accountability. That's yeah. obviously fairly big in your um, in your, in your your personal values. Um, accountability is massive. I mean, there's only two things I use. I mean, I've, I, it's not my equation. I don't know where I came up with it or found it, but it's one I've used over the last, well, in excess of 10 years. Uh, accountability plus empowerment equals high performance. And, and the truth is, they're the only two things I ever worry about. Yeah, do you believe in what you're trying to achieve and are you doing the things you need to be doing? Um, you know, and I think 
Some people, you know, when, when they're not achieving what they want, I just break down one of those two equi- parts of the equation and we can figure it out pretty quickly, you know. And usually people are spending time in the wrong areas or they're doing the wrong things or they actually don't believe that they, they deserve or are able to be where, where they want to be. Uh, and I've worked with plenty of businesses now um, and I've worked with plenty of athletes that have achieved, you know, you know at, at, uh, getting to Olympic Games and the like. And it's, it's really that simple. I mean, I don't think we need to complicate it anymore. And so when a client comes to you, whether it be financial planning, business coaching or, or basketball coaching, for me, it's a case of, okay, well, what are we trying to achieve? What's the ultimate goal? And do we believe? What does that look like? And visualize that type of stuff. And, and a lot of people, you know, it's a very emotional process because, you know, they're dealing with some really, really deep-seated internal demons. Yeah, fantastic. You're exactly right. And I love that saying, I think, you know, the key to that high performance, and especially when you're dealing with high performance athletes, is that accountability and, and, and empowerment. So, you know, and it does, it does resonate with the, with the end client in the financial planning business, you know, taking, a, you know, responsibility and accountability for what they can earn and what yeah. they can spend and the things that they can control. Uh, and then, uh, you, you know, empowering them to, to live their best life. So I, I think it's a fantastic uh, saying, well done. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so that probably leads us to the business that you're you've got now. Tell us about the business that's that's set up now. How does it uh, how does it work, and how does it help the clients that it works with? Uh, well, inspired money is is a goals based advice business, and I think we talked about that earlier. I mean, goals based advice. I believe most advisors have been giving goals based advice for a while. It's just a term now that's been used, which I think helps focus the business and and engage the client on uh, in, in an area that we all we can all play in, uh, not just technical. Uh, which I don't believe any client really likes unless they're probably engineers. So when you, when you can talk about a goal, it makes it, makes it a conversation that's owned by the client, driven by the client, and we're, we're, um, essentially holding their hand on their journey. Uh, and, and I think that's something like a client comes, talks to us about retirement. Well, I love to get them to visualize what retirement looks like, feels like, and means to them. Um, and, and from that point in time, work backwards to where things uh, need to have, so the actions that need to happen to, to allow that vision to become reality. Um, and that's and that's, just, that's exactly what we're talking about with relation to accountability and, and belief. Fantastic. And do you work with any particular demographic of client? Or yeah, is I love mums and dads. You know, I, I'm a pretty simple person. Mum and dad came from, from Myanmar back in 72. You know, we didn't have a lot. Um, and so the, the goal, <clears throat> excuse me, the goal for, for Inspired Money was, um, to work with with mums and dads and to keep advice affordable uh, for all Australians. And that's been, it's a pretty big goal, but I mean, I was taught by my business coaches that it's got to be big enough to get you up in the morning and, and dial you in. And when I look at my family where we are now versus where we were then, um, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for the advice that uh, that advisor gave my parents. Um, and I, I'd love every advice, I'd love every client to get advice. I mean, I think the um, people think they can't afford it or people think they're not worthy of it. Um, and that's that's the, the the myth I want to break. Yeah, fantastic. And so um so so it, it, all sorts of demographics. Uh, are you mostly in 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 WA your clients, or are you able to sort of service clients around the country? Yeah, we are mostly in WA, but I mean I I do have a lot of clients all over the place. Um, in Victoria, I, I mean I've been going to Victoria for a long time, and a lot of my friends have relocated over there, so they've been you know people that have uh, brought me new clients. So WA, Victoria, some in Sydney, and a couple in Queensland now. I mean it's just I think it's just the way it works. I guess you know, like bees, when when good clients move around, they they end up finding other clients. So that's how it's worked for us. Yeah, fantastic. And 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 people do move around the country, so and they stay clients. Uh, so, so so has the business grown or um, from organically as you bringing clients on, or have you purchased books, or how have you grown the business over the time? So between two thousand eleven and probably twenty 
18, we, we've done a lot of, well, we're focused organic growth scenario. Um, and that, that got, it got to a, to a point where, um, we then wanted to look at, um, acquisition. Um, we built the framework. Our tech platform was, was, uh, was at a point where we needed to feed it more just to, to, you know, to get to the, um, the efficiency part of the game. And so we, we, we entered into a acquisition conversation with a bigger business that wanted to acquire us for our, uh, our efficiencies. That, that was a 12 month painful conversation, which didn't eventuate because, uh, another institution got in the way. But um, shortly post that, probably two weeks post that, we were already in a conversation with another client, uh, sorry, another business that was looking to sell because he was looking to move to New Zealand and start the next phase of his life. Um, and that was going to feed the, the merged entity, but since that didn't go ahead, we, we ended up doing that acquisition first. Um, and that was on, I think that was around 2019 we did that. And from that point on, we've done six or seven others now. Um, so we've acquired businesses from advisors that have left the industry. Obviously, there's been a lot of um, advisors that have reconsidered their their, um, their futures based on education and uh, compliance and, you know, post-Royal Commission. And, um, you know, we could look at the glass half empty or the glass half full. I'm just an opportunist. I just like to drink what's ever in the glass. So um, the opportunity was there. We we took it on board and we... We probably we probably bit off more than what we were, we could chew, but we figured it out, and um, we didn't need to add a lot of staff. We had we had staff there, and the tech machine um, helped us helped us scale pretty quickly. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of learnings along the way when it comes to uh, acquiring businesses. The first time you do it, of course, you, you've never done it before, so you learn you learn a heck of a lot. But by the time you get to the sixth or seventh, it uh, it becomes a little bit easier. Yeah, it does, and I mean, I think again, it's it's. You never know until you're in the midst of it all. I mean, as, as much as you can plan, uh, and this was a this was a, a story shared with me by my cousin a long time ago. Um, you will never be prepared for the for the future version of yourself. There's only so much you can ever do, um, and then you've just got to take the leap of faith, and you've got to trust, and you've got to uh, again accept responsibility. If you're going to grow, then accept responsibility. If you want the outcome, you've got to do the work. Yeah, fantastic. And so, uh, is there anything you do differently when it comes to acquisitions, or, or any hot tips you've got on uh, <laughs> what to look out for or don't do? Um, I think you've got to work with your team a bit, clo- bit a bit more closely. I mean, everybody wants, uh, but nobody knows. And I think that's the big thing uh, because ultimately, it's easy for me to go out and and make a deal happen. I mean, I love making deals happen. I mean, I've done it with different businesses at different stages. I think the thrill and the chase is, is phenomenal. Um, but the practical side of it is making sure and ensuring that your team is on the same page. And I'm not saying my team weren't. I think given given the amount of opportunity, um, I think that was the biggest issue. I mean, there's no there's no issue with dissolved my guys. They want uh, guys and girls. They really want to help clients. It's just that there was a massive there was a massive in, uh, inundated massively inundated with with a lot of opportunities, and it took us a little while to settle down and, and go through them all and dot our eyes and cross our t's and um, and deliver. Yeah, fantastic. So it's definitely a team sport then acquiring a business. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you've got you've got to make sure everybody's engaged, ready, and on the same page. And I think you know, in hindsight, the pandemic for us was probably what we needed um, because it's effectively a lock in to just drill down. And you know, we we were focused, clients were available, um, and it became it, it became um, a good thing for us. Yeah, fantastic. Now you mentioned a, a, a second ago the concept of you know, feeding the tech machine and, you know, we all get to this point where we're 
introducing technology and we're we're paying for it all and we've got to you know be at a certain size i guess to be able to um get some efficiencies or some out of the money we're paying for the technology versus you know the amount it's doing for us um tell us about uh, tell us about that and how you're using technology in your business well to, yeah, to exactly right technology is a cost obviously so therefore it has to have some sort of value it's either saving you money or um uh, or making you money or both if you're really really lucky um, and we were we were blessed when when I started Inspired Money with Shane and, and with the other business partners no longer with Craig, you know I, I was not in the advice realm. I wasn't giving advice. I mean, although I, I had uh, the ability of advice, I chose to just guide the business. And uh, Shane and Craig went about giving advice to clients. I went about directing the ship and figuring, okay, fine, where, where are the icebergs? What do we need to mitigate? And um, it was clearly evident to me back in 2011 that we needed to invest more money in tech, uh, not use. You know, it's very easy to go and use the tools on the table uh, because it's just a crutch that we can use. Um, but we didn't. We didn't use the X plans. We didn't use uh, the coins or midwinters at the stage. We went and built our own CRM. We went and delivered our own uh, tech piece with a few other tech businesses around the place that are no longer around. Um, so again, trying to grow a business and try to try to innovate technology with with the front of front of curve businesses was hard work. And I mean, I, I guess like if Shane and Craig uh, had their chances, they probably would have. You know, poke me in the eyes and uh, wrap me up and told me not to go out and talk to anybody because it just seemed like every week there's a new bit of tech that we're trying to plug into the machine. You know, the end the end result needed to be twofold though. I mean, I think this is the this is the issue. I mean, if we if we lent on um, current technology, we'd be looking at efficiencies just for us. You know, I wanted to look at technological efficiencies that delivered outcomes or great outcomes to the client first, and through delivering outcomes to the client. Then give us the ability to to um, to benefit from it. So I think that was our focus. Well, I don't think I know that was my focus of what's going to give the client the best experience possible, um, and then from that have the best business with the the efficiencies and the time and t- turnaround times and all that type of stuff. So that was my motive modus operandi, and I went about looking at um, all different things. So CRMs that engage with clients and gave clients a, a user interface, um, and you know digital experiences and um, easier ways to animate and explain and you know, all of those different tools that you could use use information, different ways to market to clients and you know put things on their phone because we realised people read their SMSs more than what they read their emails and you know all of those types of little little nuances. We think, okay, well, fine, well, how can we do these types of things? And so you can get all this tech and all these pieces, but then the problem became, okay, we'll find you've got so many different tools. How do they talk to each other? So then it became about integration. So Grabbing, knowing the recipe you're trying to make, so getting the ingredients and then allowing it to sing together was the challenge. And so we've gone from building CRMs to reluctantly going down the path of, of going down the Salesforce path, which was something I was trying to keep away from only because of the sheer cost of the business, uh, of the, of the experience. Um, but there was, an, in, in my opinion, for what we were trying to achieve, there wasn't a better outcome for for us, um, and we managed to negotiate the cost on it quite significantly anyway. So we went down the Salesforce path probably in 2017 uh, after a few other failed attempts of building and, and working with other with other CRM businesses. And and I say that because we wanted to go down the path of being a multi diversified business. We wanted mortgage broking. We are now still we are now talking to an accounting practice. We want the ability to data aggregate, um, and so Salesforce was probably the most open. Um, and, and most, um, most cost affordable and open to diverse businesses. And so that's where we went and that's where we built our system, uh, or built our data aggregator from. 
Well, one heck of a journey, not, and, I, and I would assume the journey is not over. It's going to be one of those things that evolves oh, over time. Mate, it's tiring. It's tiring, Fraser. It's um, um, the conversations, you know, and I'm, I'm the type of guy that, you know, whilst I love talking to people and, and technology allows us to do this type of stuff, I mean, I've had to find myself jumping on a plane to go and visit tech people um, just to understand their story. Um, because that's the type of person I am. I need to know, particularly with startups, and we've used a lot of startups. Um, what what are you trying to to deliver? And you know, and and the ones that are on the same journey as us, they're the ones we end up working with. Um, and you know, thankfully, it's um, it's it's worked more often than not. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, tech, tech, tech companies have to start somewhere. So there always has to be startups, but they're uh, you, you you do have to understand what they're doing and what they want to do and what they want to achieve. Now you've you've mentioned uh, Salesforce and 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 the the integration word. How, how has that gone uh, with you, and what have you managed to integrate? So we've we've pretty much integrated. Uh, so our front end experience obviously is with My Prosperity. Uh, that's our user interface. So when I use, when I saw My Prosperity in probably 2014, 2015, I thought it was Nirvana. Um, you know that's that's exactly the the tool that I want to see on a client's phone. Um, and at that stage, they didn't have the app, but that's what we wanted, and that's where their vision was. And um, it gave the client, you know, a central source for their financial information. Um, and we've been working with them ever since to try and get other parts of, of the client's financial journey uh, integrated on onto the onto their platform. So we're still work in progress, and I think their their recent um, uh, announcement about uh, working with Midwinter again, it's fantastic for us. Um, Midwinter is another tool we have used, so we've plugged that into into Salesforce. Um, not that we produce a lot of documents out of Midwinter; it's probably been used largely for our um, our own calculation purposes. Um, we're under you know a, a licensee under AMP, so we're very strict and rigid. So we've done all this working underneath this license, mind you, which is not usual. And so we don't use Midwinter at this point in time uh, for the documents. But in saying that. Um, we've been able to, to use another startup company called Nod to, that have worked with us to produce charter-like documents, which is phenomenal. And the way, the way they've grown and innovated over the years and iterated themselves, um, they're, they're going through some ex- exciting times at the moment. So we, we use Nod largely for the document side of things. What do we also use? Digital signatures. Was, well, we went the part, down the path of sign now. Now, at that point in time when we went down digital signing, Yes, Adobe was there. Yes, um, who were the other ones? There was, there was a few other ones around the place. DocuSign. DocuSign, all those yeah. were there. Um, mm. mate, pure, I'll be honest with you, it was a cost thing. Um, for us, Sign Now was was um, was more cost effective. And to be honest with you, the, the user experience was actually quite cool. Um, so we went down that path. Will we stay there? We're not sure. It's still, still where we are at the moment. Um, I know some of the some of the documents that do come from Charter or on DocuSign, and we may be forced to go down that different path just because it's more widely accepted. Um, but that's you know it's simple as unplug plug in. It's 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 not it's not a holistic change for us anymore. Things like Twilio, which allows us to uh, SMS clients from Salesforce, and and we SMS clients um, everything through you know reminders about reviews and meetings um, to. I've ordered pizza off Domino, and I love using the the app on the on the on the computer because it tells you where the whole process is. Um, and I find you find yourself watching this bloke deliver your pizza to you. And I said to to my guys, "That's what I want. I want a client to understand where they are in the financial planning process. You know, particularly when they start with us, because the process can be so onerous. And you know, I, I, it it 
honestly challenges me to see how long it takes from start to onboarding a client in some instances that you know, we just need to be giving a client's information. And so again, with a business that's built on scale, you can't necessarily pick up the phone every time that a client know their file's progressed. Um, but you can send them an email, you can send them an SMS, you can tell them you're thinking about them, you can invite them to give you a call. And so when a client's file goes through the process, that's what we do. Can we do it better? 100%. But you know, at this point in time, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a Domino's experience, but it's an experience better than where we were 10 years ago. Uh, five years ago, probably three years ago. That's fantastic. I love the way you've taken that uh, that concept, and and you're absolutely right. It's about being transparent and showing clients where they're up to, and letting them know, you know, that they they are uh, transforming in a way, and uh, and they get a pizza at the end of it, which is great. <laughs> Hopefully, it's a bit better than a pizza, but but it's, I, I don't know, mate. Like, I, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with businesses that don't use technology. My issue is that do they realise that life could be a lot easier? Um, you know, and I think that's the issue, but you've got to get uncomfortable. You got to, you got to grow, right? So you've got to become uncomfortable to become comfortable. Um, and using tech yourself is, is where you have to be. And if you're not prepared to use tech, then you can't get your clients using tech. Then my question is, you know, and our, and our goal was simple is, is to keep advice affordable. So we can't keep advice affordable if it's an onerous manual process. Uh, so invest in technology, but then to, to, to cover the cost, you've got to scale your business. Otherwise it just becomes a very, expensive tech stack uh which again is fine but your client will pay for it yeah it's a it's a, it's a balancing act isn't it between uh, having all the technology and uh, and having enough clients going through it so let me just go back to the, the concept of deeper client relationships at, at you know at scale and being able to say you know how do we have relationships T- talk to me about the client relationships um, and using technology in that way where you've got the client to develop the relationship even just with the business um more so than just one or two people in the business i guess I mean, our, our journey with a client starts digitally and, you know, we, we onboard them through the process. So you, you'll go to our website and you'll see there's a lot of, there's a lot of tech introduced even on our website, but they'll, they'll use my prosperity. We use my prosperity onboard. So they're, they're put into that space straight away. And then our first meeting, ideally, if, if, if the client fills in as much information as possible, which they do these days, which, you know, if you take me back a few years, I'd say a client don't want to fill in digital fact finds. The truth is they're more accepting to digital these days than they are paper. In most instances, and particularly if an advisor is prepared to show them how to use it. But if a client comes and they've, they've gone through the onboarding process uh, the way they should, then we're sitting there playing with the, with the advice delivered in their space, i.e. what they see on their end. Um, you know, we generally put a retirement goal um, in the, the, the tool straight away and then we work backwards from there as to, okay, we'll find what are the, what are the advice gaps that exist because the retirement goal now is actualised. Now, most people will tell you, well, yeah, I want to retire at the age of 65 or 67 or whatever the date is. Um, and, and when then, when they don't give you a date, because some don't, uh, we can make some assumptions in, you know, with them and, and prior to them coming in and, and use the assumptive data that we've got. Uh, and then we show a client, okay, well, fine, using the assumptions or using the information you've given us, we're on track or not on track. But if I can use a case example, and I, I worked with a client the other day, it was an accountant friend of mine, actually, and she's got 19 years to retirement. And it showed that at 67, if that's when she chose to retire, uh, she'd be fine. The question then was, okay, but that's 19 years away. I said, how certain are you that you're going to earn 100K plus, you know, over the next 19 years? Um, so that showed us some gaps, um, pre- predominantly insurance gaps. Because uh, that was the biggest risk, other than education gaps to stay relevant and employable. 
Um, and then we said, and then she said, well, what if I wanted to retire five or 10 years earlier? Conrad said, okay, well, fine. We move that line in the, in the, um, in the tool. And it showed that we had about a 500k capital gap. And they said, now we've got an investment gap. And then we can talk about that. And that was just all using that tool that by being brave enough to put a stake in the sand, we then were able to open up the areas of advice and, and, and then ask them what they valued more and went through that, that position. Yeah, fantastic. Now, just with with regards to the you know the client embracing uh, the technology that you're using, uh, I guess I, I kind of have this feeling that we they're always they do what we teach them to do, right? Like if, if we teach them yep. to do it on paper in the beginning, then they get used to paper, and then they turn around and go, "Oh, you've changed something." But uh, from from what you're saying at the beginning of the process, uh, every new client that comes in um, gets the technology experience. Yep. Have you had any problems with, um, you know, that retraining of an, of a, of a client that's been around a long time that, um, that used to do stuff on paper and now. Sure. Doesn't? I mean, I, I don't, I mean, it's not a problem. It's just a challenge. And I think that's the opportunity that we, we, we face with clients. And you now we've got different, we've got different, uh, price points for clients and clients that want to engage, you know, with a, with a highly tactile nature on paper. I mean, unfortunately the cost will go up and, and we can, we can explain that to them very, very well. Um, and they'll make a, a known choice. Does that happen all the time? No. Um, so that's okay for us. Um, you know, but it's just a challenge to be able to work with a client. We don't, I mean, to, to make the system work, we don't need a lot of their, their, their time. We don't need a lot of their interaction on the tool. We just need to get them on the tool and let them know that's what, that's what we'll be using. Because uh, once it's digital, we can slice and dice the data whichever way we can, which then saves a lot of time. So we can pull information of my prosperity because we've integrated that with Salesforce. I think we're the only ones to have done that. Um, and so we can use that information. It can go into our fact finds. It can go into our statements of advice. Um, it can go into our communications. It then also allows us to, which is what we're spending a lot of time on at the moment, um, look at opportunities to market to clients from, from the data we're grabbing, which is, you know, what I say to people now, I've got a what I call my business is it's a diagnostic financial planning business. We diagnose before we advise. You know, where, where are the cash flow problems? Where are the capital problems? Where are the behavioral issues that we can see based on the information we have? And then let's give the right, the right um, advice to solve the right problem as opposed to one Band-Aid fixes everything. Yeah, fair enough. And I'm, and I'm imagining this is very handy when, it, when we're talking about bringing, uh, when you're talking about acquiring businesses and then bringing that data in and then being able to then slice and dice. Yeah, it, it's extremely valuable, and, and it's it's really valuable to then to re-engage with the client. So we'll find this is what your data is telling us. Um, this is the advice you've received in the past, and it's taking you on the journey to now. But to get you from here to here, we're going to need to make a little bit. We're going to need to make a, a slight change now, or it's going to need a bigger change later. And we can we can show that to them pretty quickly. Yeah. Now I'm imagining with the uh, the client experience that happens as they come over to your business from the the business that you've acquired, um, from the client experience point of view, they're certainly thinking that's a, that's a better for them or that, you know, something that's all new and exciting rather than just new and different. Yeah, I think, I think well, I'd like to think it's new and exciting. I mean, it's, it's very hard because you don't really want to make uh, their previous experience um, null and void. So you just want to, you want to try and build um, wherever you can because everybody's doing the best they can, right? The previous advisor is doing the best that they could. Um, the, and, and they're doing the best they could with the information they got from the club at that point in time. If we're getting better quality information, which is what we're getting, then we can have, we can get a better quality experience. And so, yes, it's, it's, it's almost like for like with the outcome, but it's not like for like with the input. Um, and so we, we just create better foundations and better reasons as to why we do what we do. 
I think that's really, this is a really important point that we should probably hover on a little bit. The better quality information gives a better quality experience. And I think that's probably, that fits very well with what the concept we're talking about, having deeper client relationships at scale. Uh, you know, and that information, I guess, is just going to become better and better over time. Yeah, 100%. And like I said, you build a house on a foundation. If the information you give is the foundation of your advice, then better quality information allows you to build a multi-story house easier. Uh, without having to re- re-engineer the foundation. So with these client books that we've acquired, we're having to go back and re-engineer the foundation so that we can put the second, third, fourth story on the, on the building. And, and clients understand that, that, um, analogy really, really easily. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the game we're playing. Fantastic. It's incredible. So, all right, that's very good. So that's what you're doing now. Tell us about what you're working on then in the, in the future. How are you evolving this? Well, the next stage for us is, is using the data better for, um, for things like, uh, marketing purposes and, and client journeys. Um, so we're working on that. Strangely enough, I would like to think a lot of this stuff's been invented. And I think in some space it has been. But yeah, we've, we're working with MyProsperity and their, and their, um, and their client personas to articulate client journeys within our, within our database. So archetype type conversations in parts. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a leading conversation more than anything else. If you identify with one of the, one of the personas, then we're going to put them on that journey, which then allows them to have different conversations, receive different information. Um, because that's what's happening at the moment. Everything's highly, highly personalized. It's not a one cap fits all. And I think that's what most businesses have done in the past because they haven't had the ability to differentiate. We do now and we should. Um, and again, same thing with basketball. I mean, I've got, we've got a team of, of, um, 20 people in the squad. Coaching basketball teams this year is not not a dictatorship anymore. It's not a yes sir, no sir, three backs, full sir. It's a, you know, what does little Johnny need? What does what does Harry need? What does Paul need? Um, and how do we get that information to them? And you know, is it is it through video? Is it through written? Is it through showing? You know, how do they need to receive the information so that it lands for them in the most most efficient manner possible? So, being able to use the data to then identify the client, take them on their own client journey, is what we're working on at the moment. Fantastic. I love that deeper, uh, deeper understanding equals deeper relationships uh, point. So Conrad, thanks very much for catching up with us today. Really appreciate your time. How, if somebody wants to continue the conversation, what would be the best way for them to, to find you? Fraser, I mean, they can find me on social. I mean, LinkedIn, uh, Conrad Francis, you know, Facebook, Instagram, I'm everywhere. I mean, that's the other part is uh, meet the clients where the clients are at. So I'm on social in social space. Um, or go to the Inspired Money website, www.inspiredmoney.com.au, and you can uh, you can click on a link and book some time with me there as well. Fantastic! Really appreciate your time, Conrad. Uh, thank you for sharing all these great uh, these great wisdoms. No, thanks, Fraser. Appreciate your time, buddy. 